Blog Talk Radio. Um, oh, she God. actually, uh, yeah, I know. We you had a, 
such glory things to say about her and Alexa lady last week. Um, well, she won in three sets, and you know it was pretty close, obviously. But um, since she finally picked up her first major championship, is this mm-hmm. does this is this the springboard for her? I mean, I know that she went no. uh, on <laughs> the <laughs> you said that quick before I got to Serena Wednesday and got a lot of love. You don't think no, that's going to so, no, so this is it, huh? No. Next question. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, brother. This is going to be quick seven. Um, <laughs> really, though? So you don't see it. You're um, not seeing it. You're not feeling it. No. I mean, come on. Caroline Wozniacki <laughs> is a counterpuncher. Um she makes you hit 25 extra balls. Um, Halep lost that match. I'm not even going to listen. Full disclosure, I watched the yep. last four games. That's it. And I felt like that was enough. <laughs> to, <laughs> that was, that was enough <laughs> to let me know oh, exactly how the entire match went. And I'm, you know what? Good for her because Caroline Wozniacki was number one in the world for a long time, and she was about sure. to be, you know, one of those people who were categorized as one of the greatest players never to win a Grand Slam. So, you know, she has checked that box. Good for her. Um, will she get right. another one? Nah, probably not. I mean, at some point, Halep has to start acting like yeah. a real number one and win shit. Um, okay. She should have won this one. She she fucked up, like she always does. Halep is a mental midget, so she just, you know, she she should get over that hump someday. I mean, she should. She is the she is the better player. Um, good for Caroline. Hey, you know, if if, if you win, a win is a win. It's a win is a win is a right. win. Doesn't matter how you get there. So congratulations to the golden retriever of the WTA. Um, enjoy it, girl, because it's your only one. Oh, my God. You are so savage. <laughs> you are so damn savage. Hey. It is so funny. So, it's really, so, so I'm guessing, it's just, I guess the truth hurts, right? Um, so, basically, at this point, you pretty much expect that the American women, namely um, uh, Bass and Keys and, you know, you know, the rest of them, you know, Sloan Stevens, and the rest of them will pretty much, like, challenge her, challenge Wozniacki at the next uh, open, uh, the, 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 at the next, I can't even talk to that, at the next major championship, which is the French Open it, at the it end of It doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be American women at all. It can be any woman. Sure. Caroline Wozniacki yeah. cannot handle big hitters. She cannot do it. She gets into, she gets in a match with a power player. She gets hit off the court. She loses it 99% of the time. So she has – the stars have got to align for her. I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, this crazy celestial stuff that's going on with the super moon, lunar eclipse, blue moon crap that was approaching that just everything was right for her. But, like, she has to have a good draw. You know, she's not going to battle right. her way through a bunch of top stellar big-hitting women and take a tournament. Right. It's not happening. It's just not. So, you know, I, I don't look for her to win another slam. I don't look for her to back this up. She got 
Uh-huh. She got lucky in many, many ways. She really did. And it's not her fault. I mean, it's, you know, it's you, who you play is who you play, but everything aligned for right. her, everything. Wow. So pretty much like, it's like whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's like whatever for, damn. So, okay, so basically, uh, before we get to your boy, Fed, um, I know the I know the French Open is like what three four no I'm sorry four months away four or five months away so yeah just, something like that end of May beginning of June yeah. something mm-hmm. so basically in your very early ass analysis on the women's side what do you <laughs> expect to see from the women's side for the women's draw coming up on the French Open just off the top of your head um Callup should do well there. The the court style, uh, the court suits her game style. Um, mm-hmm. However, Serena will be back, and if Serena's healthy, oh, Serena she wins. Yeah, wow. she she is returning cool. to competitive play um, <clears throat> this weekend or next weekend, whenever Fed Cup is, and um, so she'll be representing the U.S. in that. That'll be her first competitive match. Um, and then she's going to be back on tour. So, you know, That's I amazing. mean, hey, all these ladies, you you had your chance. <laughs> you had yeah, your chance. Yeah, I guess so. Serena's back. And, uh, you know, there, there are only a handful of people who can stop her, and they only stop her when she's not playing her A game. When Serena is on, there is no one on tour that can beat her. No one. So, wow. And who are those people who can stop her if she doesn't have a good game? Um, Victoria yeah, Azarenka yeah. can stop her if she comes back and she stops having all her baby daddy drama shit. Um, oh, Petra Lord. Kvitova can hang with Serena. Um, Garbi Muguruza from Spain, we've seen her beat Serena. And you know who can handle mm-hmm. her the best but falls short mm-hmm. so often? Venus. Because they know each other's yep. games so well. And she, their styles, whether they're not similar, I mean, but they just, they can handle each other's power and they know everything. But Serena does everything just a little bit better. So, you know, she's got to be a little bit off for Venus to win. But that's, that's really about it. I mean, there aren't a lot of women who she walks, you, you see that matchup and you go, eh, this could maybe go the other person's way. You pretty much always pick yeah. her. You're stupid if you don't. I mean, she just right. is that good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it says the reason that, that, you know, both Williams is kryptonite, if you will, or each other. Because they know each other so yeah. well. And in and, 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 um, in it, it, well, in the, at least in Venus's case, she's she's a little bit, I guess, seasoned. I don't want to say old or longer than two per se, but well, you know she's, she's old. What, we can call 30, her old. She's old. Well, yeah, she's well, she's not as old as me, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you're not a but professional she's what, athlete, so. That's true. I don't know. She's thirty-seven, thirty-eight. She's thirty-seven. She's thirty-seven. Oh, thirty-seven. But still, playing at a high level, thirty-seven. That's that's that, that's what's up. But. Get yeah. back to, to Serena right quick. So basically, this is amazing. Like she, like uh, she, she, I mean, she hasn't given birth to her daughter, but so long ago, and she's already getting back in the. That is amazing. 
I mean, well, she is, and she she played an exhibition match um, earlier Mm -hmm. this month or the very end of December, and she looked damn good. She did. She looked good. Um, You could see that she was playing a little bit tentatively. Uh, She wasn't as Mm -hmm. fit as we would like her to be, but I saw a picture yesterday, and she looks good. She looks real good. Um, You know, I, I expect her to take some awkward losses, and then be on track Mm, because there's nothing that she can do that can replicate match play. She's got to get some matches under her belt to get back in the groove of things. And once she does that, watch out ladies. There you go. Now, when you mentioned about uh, Halep's style fitting the French Open better, can you explain to listeners like, you know, the, like the different styles required for different courts in the uh, open Like in the major open championships, particularly, you know, the British Open is clay courts and women's grass courts. Clay courts play slow. Yeah, Yeah, clay clay courts play very slow. So a player has more time to react to the ball, to run to the ball. Um, The ball doesn't fly through the air as fast. It's heavier. The balls get dirty with that clay, so they move a little bit slower. There are just all of these things that actually slow things down. So a player who doesn't hit as big of a ball like Serena can trouble Mm -hmm. a player like that in a situation on play where they wouldn't be able to on grass or on a fast, hard court. So, you know, on grass, um, supposedly Wimbledon has slowed the grass down quite a bit over the years, but it's still considered a fast court. It just plays differently. The balls bounce differently um, when they hit the ground. They don't slow down as much like they do when they hit clay. Clay is almost like dampening um, everything, which is why you see such long points. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. see that so which much is- on a fast, hard court. You won't see as many aces so- served on clay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you, which was the faster course? I guess it's this is both the Australian Open and the, and the U.S. Open are hard courts. Are hard courts they're considered the fastest courts, if you will? Hard courts. ball travel and whatnot. They do. Hard, hard, courts, um, hard courts are supposed to all be fast courts, I guess. Um, they used to all mm-hmm. be fast. The way they make the court is they put down the surface and there's like a sand in the – in the actual surface. And depending on how much or how little grit is in that is how fast or slow the court is going to be. So the Australian Open um, plays, you know, semi-fast. They used to be like super fast, medium fast, slow fast. Now everything is pretty slow compared to what it was 10 years ago. Um, Thank you, Rafael Nadal. True story. (laughs) Do the research. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Will do. But um yeah, so so the Australian Open's a fast faster course. Wimbledon is fast. It should be the fastest, but it's not. And then the US Open. I think Australia plays faster than the US Open, and a lot of that has to do with the weather as well as the surface. It's so much hotter and drier. All of those right. things matter in a tennis match. So Faster courts usually should mean shorter, quicker points, not these yeah. long, grueling rallies like clay. Right. 
That's what the French Open, yeah, that the French Open brings us. Speaking of, like, heat and whatnot on the court, you know, what what is the big deal? Like, people are trying to make a – seemingly that people are making a big deal about the quote-unquote controversial closing of the roof during the oh, federal final. I mean, I mean, what, what – what exactly? What the hell was the big deal with that? Because all I thought was so, so because it was so damn hot. It was over hundred. It was over hundred degrees for Christ's sake. Let's let's be real. Global warming is real, people. It's real, and it's hot. And we have to understand that if it is, let's say the temperature is 100 degrees outside. Just walking around, it's 100 degrees. On court, it's probably going to be about 120 degrees at least because that surface Mm -hmm. is absorbing heat and just bouncing Mm -hmm. it back up. And at some point, it's just not safe. And and when it's hot like that, I mean, look at where Australia is positioned in the world. The heat that they get is hotter than the heat that we feel. Obviously, because they're closer to the equator, right? Science 101. Mm-hmm, right. So it's hotter. It's The sun is just hotter. So not only do you have to think about the safety of the players on court, because we have seen people pass out on court. I can't really think of a time when I've seen it happen to men, but I've seen it happen to women. And the women have a heat rule in effect where if it is too hot, you know, they get extra breaks or they have to stop play, and, and, and the men are slowly catching up. Um, but it was just too hot, so they decided to close the roof. But here is the thing. Both players mm-hmm. played on the same damn court. It's not like Roger Federer played inside and Marin Chilich played outside. And truth be told, yeah. Federer probably would fare better in that heat than Marin Chilich was. Miran Chilich is like six foot six. He's a big guy. Federer, he's a big boy. He's tall, you know, but he's Federer's six foot six one. He trains in Dubai. He trains in this heat. He even said himself, "I probably would have done better in that heat than Miran would have." I mean, I don't really, I don't understand. People think ultimately what it comes down to is Roger Federer has a very, very good indoor hardcore record. So people mm-hmm. think that because they close that roof, you essentially turn an outdoor tournament into an indoor tournament in that favored Federer. When the truth is they both played in the same conditions. It really doesn't matter. Nothing was different for one other player. Federer was probably going to beat him anyways, no matter what. Right. And it's not like it was really windy. You know, if if it's windy and stuff like that, then yes, it has more of an effect. But you know what? Federer is amazing at adjusting in the wind, whereas most players are not. So I don't really understand the argument other than the fact that people always have to have something to bitch about. They just do. <laughs> They just have to have something to bitch about. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, sometimes you have to just see oh, greatness boy. for greatness. Right. Right. Exactly. And speaking of greatness, we're going to say the I say the best for last week because I know Fed's your boy. He's your bae and everything else. He's um, my fave. <laughs> exactly. So, 20 looks so good like, on him. 20 majors. 
the first dude to 20 majors. Wow. And he looks yeah. like he can keep going and going and going forever, to, however long he wants to go. He's in great shape yeah. to your point. And, you know, I got to give it up to him. Look, you already know, I mean, I know I'm so excited to book with you. like your listeners out there and those who know me best, and you already know this about me. I, I, I was slow, very slow, to warming up to uh, Roger Federer because, you know, as I always say in the past, he took the very weak-ass race draw way back when, when he started ascending upon his greatness that he's on now. Well, right now, actually been on for the last few years. You know, essentially calling him, a buddy of mine once put it uh, in a text message to me, the Larry Holmes of tennis. Because, you know, they say Larry Holmes <laughs> took advantage of a big field way back when. I mean, hell, he fought Jerry Cooney for the world title, for Christ's sake. Uh, so basically, Federer had his, his shots at several Jerry Cooney's over the years, if you will. But. 20 majors is 20 majors. Dude is 35 years old, I think he is. And he just, he beat a dude who's physically superior to him. And it, it's just amazing to see. I got to give him some props. Listen, Roger Federer is 36. Roger 36. Federer did not come through. He'll be 37, I think, in August. He mm. did not play through a weak era. I encourage you to check those facts and come with receipts, because I don't think you'll find any. Listen, this man has played through almost two solid decades. Yes. Think about that. You want to tell me that tennis has been weak for 20 years? Please. Think about how crazy that sounds. I remember remember the days of Pete Sampras. I still – I was – I was with Pete and guess, for years and years and years. Pete Sampras was amazing. He was amazing. And guess who yeah. came up and started knocking Pete off his high horse? Do you know who that was? Because it was Roger Please Federer. Federer. Oh, Lord. yes, it was. Well, he yes, was old was. anyway. He was like a hundred years Federer, old at that point. Oh, but he Federer. wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't though. That's just it. He wasn't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you just you you got you got to come correct, and you're not. Let's be clear. Well, because Federer, because Sam was what 45 when he beat him. I mean, he was on his way up. Really, <laughs> Sam probably isn't 45 now. <laughs> but I don't know. He's older than me. But so, no, yeah. no, no, no. I remember. I remember not knowing who Roger Federer was, watching him play Pete Sampras at Wimbledon when Roger Federer still had a ponytail and these shitty-ass blonde highlights in his hair <laughs> coming out of nowhere and beating Pete Sampras. Uh, like, holy shit, what just happened? Mm, Cause see, I'm a long-time fan funny. of tennis. So no, anyway, I I I have had this conversation with many people many many times. So I did do the research, and I'm like, well, let me let me check the numbers. And I have gone back, and I said, okay, so when this person was number one, who was their competition? Mm -hmm. Who were they beating? What were they ranked? How many Grand Slams did they have? And you know what? Every single time Federer comes out on top, every time. 
No matter what era he was playing in, no matter who his opponents were, his percentage of winning when he was, you know, at his peak is right there the same with everybody else's. It's the same as Novak. It's the same as Rafa. It's better than Rafa's. Novak is a little tiny bit better, a little tiny bit better, Mm -hmm. like a half of a percentage or something. But they're, they all are amazing. And the longevity of Federer is, is, is what makes him better than, you know, the rest of your weak ass field. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well, I'm just saying. Okay, look. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna hold on. I'm like that. I'm. I'm like a fat dude's best button. I'm uh-huh. holding on as, fat, as hard as I could. All right. Now, I'm just saying. Pete Sampras's heyday. There was. There was. There was Andre. There was Andre Agassi. Well, American tennis was a lot better than the world. The rest of the world anyway. But Andre Agassi. There was Michael Chang going old school. There's. There was Michael King has Curry. one major. Andre Agassi was smoking that. meth. I understand. I, I, meth. I know that. I'm just meth. saying. I mean, I mean, and 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 I'm holding up and Boris Becker and <laughs> Stefan Ebler and Ivan Lennon was at was on the tail end, but he was still balling nonetheless. I'm just saying, there was just a lot more competition to go around. And look, really. It's very okay. impressive what Fed really because Fed is is, is how is many majors does Boris Becker now. have? I don't know, like I don't know, six, seven, shit, ten. Right? How many does Rafa have? <laughs> how many does Rafa have? Rafa has like fourteen, right? How many does Novak have? How many does Stefan Edberg have? What about Yvonne Lundell? They all have less than Roger Rafa and Federer. So who who came through the weaker era? Oh boy. Just anyway, curious. Yeah. Okay. Don't forget about Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I'm look. Okay. Fine. Fine. You got out of me. Say I'm it. Stomping. Say I'm you win. Stomping on Say the floor it. now. Roger Federer is the ghost. I'm not saying it's ah. terrible. One time. If you missed it, damn <laughs> on you. Just hit the replay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sis, I tell you, you're the best. Um, so basically, one last thing before we get you out of here. Um, the, the the French Open, do you think Rafa's going to be healthy enough to show out on clay again? Do you expect Fed to do his thing? It seems like he's already conquered the French Open anyway, since that's gone with his kryptonite throughout his career. But do you expect a healthy Novak? What's going on? What plus? What's going on with Andy Murray? That's what I want to know. Um, haven't heard too much from Andy Murray. Novak Djokovic mm-hmm. took a picture with someone and posted it somewhere, and he's got some kind of mysterious cast wrap sling—I don't know—crap on his arm. So who knows what's going on with him? Um, Rafa. Rafa's supposed to be out for three weeks. He will definitely be back for clay. Um, they will hand him the trophy, mm. even if he has to crawl to get it. Oh, Federer boy. probably yeah, won't I... play the clay season at all. Uh, last year he skipped it. That worked out really well for him. He'll probably skip it again. 
Because he's yeah. smart like that, yeah. he knows he's not beating Rafa on clay. And if everyone else was smart, they'd skip that shit too and just hand him all the trophies. <laughs> <laughs> you just like this in the French Open. You just like that's the Rafa Nadal Invitational, right? It on is. The men's side. It absolutely is. That is. what it's come down to. So basically, he has won it ten times. Ten. Well, well, how, well, how much? How, well, how many Australian Open has uh, Federer won? He's won like seems like a thousand. Seven. One, at least ten. Oh, it's just seven. Seven. Okay. Nobody has so, ten majors at the same place. Only Rafa. <laughs> that's that's interesting, be, like because I always assume. Well, that I guess that's why I get for assuming. I always assume that uh, Federer had that many majors. Well, that were that many Wimbledon times because he does so well at, on, on grass. No, just, see that. See that's that's the Federer only has one French Open. Right, he's only yeah. got one. I mean, that, he's I got mean, many runner-up plates. But yeah, because he, you know, he loses to Rafa. So um, yeah, no Rafa. See the what people don't talk about. Yeah, he has ten French Opens, but he's only got fourteen majors. He somebody's going to tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't check for Rafa that much. But the truth is, he's not winning anywhere else that much. You know, I mean, Federer has Mm -hmm. what seven Australian Opens, six Wimbledon's, one French, five U.S. Opens, six U.S. Opens. I don't know. Like I can't even. I can't even keep up. He's he's good across the board. Rafa, not so much. Well. Well, this is the more the story, kids. If you up and coming male tennis player, do not, I repeat, do not accept any invitation for Roger Federer to come train. Because <laughs> he will pick your brain, he will embarrass you, he'll take the lunch money, and he'll make you cry mm-hmm. on the court. That's just how it is. That's, That's right. That's right. He's smart like that. Hey, Janita, thank you so much, sis. Have fun. You're welcome. I'll be talking to you soon. Sister. All right. All Good right. Good that's my sis right there, Janina Reed. Please check out Reels fans, Reels Tennis fans on YouTube. Her podcast there is, she's, of course, she's, she, like I said, she's hilarious. But anyway, bringing in my, my partner in crime, y'all know him from the Yard slash HBCU Sports Sports Blog, where he talks about all things HBCU Sports, as well as the um, Sleazy Radio podcast every Tuesday night on Blog Talk Radio. My man, Dwayne Ash in the house. What up, D? And I'll take with me the memories <laughs> to be my sunshine to the rain. Someone sounds someone sounds like someone's missing Kirk Kirk Cousins gonna be missing Kirk Cousins anyway. Let's just uh, <laughs> I know you got a lot of crap on your chest. So I'm gonna oh just bump God. this thing up. I was going to rap about this lay on the podcast, but let's just get it out of the way so I could ease you up your pain. Your <laughs> beloved Washington Redskins traded for one Alex Smith. Gave Traded it also in the trade. He sent a young, promising player. Well, not promising. He's, he, he's a decent player. The cornerback of Virginia Tech, the Edmonds kid, and I think a couple mm-hmm. of draft picks, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but basically, I look at Alex Smith. As the older version of Kirk Cousins, I mean, I don't, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand why they brought him in, right? And they extended him. 
extended Alex Smith. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Like, forgive me for not being prepared like that, but he's getting paid an average of $25 million a year. He's gotten, I think it's $71 million guaranteed. And he's, what, 35 years old or some shit like that? What, 33, 34, 35? Like, he'll be 34 when the season starts. Yeah. What? Okay, okay, okay. You want, you, you, you rest him. Mm-hmm. Why the hell did your team do that? Why, why, why did they do that for? Well, let me go ahead and, 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 and update uh, 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 okay. your file on the entire situation. So the, the deal yeah. is this. The, being that, of course, the deal is still on the hold, and I read an article today that says that both teams or even Alex Smith can all renege on this situation. And God knows I love a renege. Actually, yes, because, you know, the, the deal isn't necessarily done until um, the, the league the, the, the uh, calendar actually right. starts in March. Yeah, so, right. yes, right. it's in principle and it's a gentleman's agreement that this is going to happen. And, of okay. course, it would be messed up if somebody did pull out. But the deal is this. The Chiefs will be sending Alex Smith to Washington in exchange for uh, the second-round pick and the third-round pick for this year and cornerback mm-hmm. Kendall Fuller, like you said, out of uh, Virginia Tech. Cool. And um, cool. the deal is for four years. Well, actually, it's an extension on that deal where right. the extension is – Four years, ninety million, with three of those years being guaranteed for seventy-one million. So he'll be getting wow. a little bit over twenty-three million uh, a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the, the negative of, is, uh, of this whole thing, in my personal opinion, <clears throat> is this: for those who listen to Sleazy Sports, know me and my history with my disdain for Alex Smith. Because he he is <laughs> who a lot of people think he is, which is mm-hmm. check down Charlie as as I've heard him so eloquently called earlier today. Which is hilarious because that is exactly what Redskin fans have been calling Kirk Cousins his time here as a starter. And it's funny because those same guys that call him that are happy that Alex Smith is coming here, which I find completely contradictory. That is hilarious. You're happy that the guy who you complain can't throw the deep ball is leaving, but yet you're happy that the guy who can't throw the deep ball is coming in. And he's an older version. But I digress. Yes. But the funny thing is this, and it's been talked about, he has more weapons both offensively and defensively while he was in Kansas City than he does here in Washington. And to make it even worse, Washington trades away Kendall Fuller in that deal, so they're losing a defensive piece. Now, mind you, yes, I get it. Kendall Fuller is not Darrell Rivas. He's not Deion Sanders. He's not Daryl Green. I get that. But you know what? In a situation where you're talking about cultivating young talent, and having them there at low money, and you give away a piece, but you get what you get in terms of getting Alex Smith, I I don't like the fact that they have to get rid of Kendall Fuller in order to do it, but this is technically the best option that Washington has 
while losing Kirk Cousins. Because who else do they mm-hmm. potentially get out there in that situation? Now, the thing is this. I prefer, if, if this is what you're going to do, you go ahead and, and, and do like everyone else that, that, that has sense. You go ahead and, 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 and you go ahead and rebuild. That's what Philadelphia has done, and we see where they are. They're going to be playing on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Dallas technically was rebuilding while they were going through their eight and eight seasons, and we see where they are. They at least were what they were nine and seven this year, thirteen and three last year. So we have two teams within our division that have gone through rebuilds, but once again, this team does not want to face the facts that they are in the process or in the need of a rebuild, and they go ahead and they bring in a guy that is thirty four. But if you feel as though that you're one of these upper echelon teams or at least a team competing for a playoff spot, Alex Smith is your best option in this situation. But they do need to understand that in order to compete in this division with this quarterback, they're going to have to bolster that offensive line in terms of the depth, the defensive line, and that running back spot, and also get a receiver in there. But they don't, they don't necessarily – the receiver is probably the bottom of that list, but they're really going to need a running game to help out Alex Smith in order for them to compete in this division. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, I was shocked. Exactly. I was shocked. When, when that ticker came down, came across ESPN last night, I was like, what? I was, I was let an F-bomb fly out of my mother-in-law's house. I was like, what the I, – I was like, yo – Really? Because I was but for one, I was putting Alex Smith to go to Cleveland, you know, in the trade for some reason. I mean, I knew he was going to be gone. I agree, but like yeah. because I knew that Kansas City was really feeling Patrick Mahomes the second. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I, I, and he he looks the part too. Patrick Mahomes looks the part. I mean, he played well in the preseason, as we all know, and he played well, really well, in the last game of the season. So mm-hmm. he, he's a player. He, he has a great future. So there is no way in hell they're going to bring that Alex Smith. I knew that was going to happen. And he knew that was going to happen. So essentially, Boston was bitter against itself because everyone yeah. else in the league knew it. <laughs> everyone else in the league knew that Alex Smith was going to get cut eventually. It was, it was inevitable. So they basically all essentially sent Kansas City a lifeline. My question is this, though. What I mean, we all know that this is the end of Kirk Cousins in, in, in Washington once it goes mm-hmm. officially after March first. Um, so basically, where do you envision Kirk Cousins? I have a I have a spot that may make you say wow, but I want to. I, I'm just curious. What do you think? Where do you think Kirk Cousins ends up as a result of this after March first? Uh, now, see, this is where it gets difficult. Now, yeah. actually, Cleveland and Arizona were both in talks with with uh, Kansas City to get uh, um, um, Alex Smith. It just happens to be mm-hmm. that the piece that Kansas City really coveted was a talent like Kendall Fuller, and Washington was the only mm-hmm. one that was willing to get rid of it, and, and <laughs> that's why they were the ones because technically. Cleveland was willing to give up more in terms of draft picks, but Kansas City wanted talent, especially talent in the secondary. So that's why Washington won out mm-hmm. in that in that trade. 
Excuse me. Right. But to answer your question, of course, the leaders in most people's clubhouses right now are Denver, mm-hmm. um, Jacksonville, and uh, the, the Jets. I really can see him in, in a situation, especially like Jacksonville and Denver. But Jacksonville is already talking as if they're going to keep Blake Bortles, even though, you know, they didn't, I don't think they, they realized that uh, Kirk was going to be available. Um, right. Denver, in my opinion, is, is probably the destination right now. But don't be surprised if uh, Arizona comes up. The, the, the thing is, with, with Arizona and Denver, actually Denver being a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball, all they really need is that QB. And and, right. and, and probably the same could be said about Arizona. I like their D. Their D is very respectable. Um, and, 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 right. and, and they have that talent of David Johnson. And, of course, I, I'm thinking that Larry Fitzgerald wouldn't mind coming back for one more year with Kirk Cousins back there. And, and I've seen Kirk play with, with lesser talent, so I know that he can bolster that receiving core by just being there. But um, I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and, and, and lean to the favor right now, which is, is, is Denver. And you mentioned that Denver is a quarterback away from making some noise in the AFC. So is Jacksonville. Even though Jacksonville made noise with Blake Bortles. And remember what I said like a few weeks back when Jackson, uh-huh. after Jacksonville had a heartbreak against New England about give Kirk, I mean, I'm sorry, give um, uh, Blake Bortles one more year, right? Yeah. Drop the QB like in maybe the second round. Um, so. So, like, just in case he regresses back to the end of being Blake Bortles, I think they should test that plan and go all in on Kirk Cousins. That's that's mm. why I think. It be, I mean, because look at Kirk Cousins, again, for all his perceived shortcomings, perceived or otherwise, he, he's, a, he's a damn good quarterback. The, the, yeah. the, the stats he put up in Washington, some people may say is that the stats got the team. Didn't do so well <clears throat> out of respect to you, you Redskins fan. Um, but the fact of the matter is, look at the stats, man. What, he passed over 4,000 yards? Yeah. In like, back-to-back seasons. He's had a lot more touch, more touchdown passes than interceptions with less talent mm-hmm. year after year after year. I mean, last year, uh, uh, that, that, that prior kid was his number one option. Yeah, I mean they got rid of. I mean they 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 y'all got rid of uh, um, Pierre Garcon, and mm-hmm. also got rid of uh, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, and you know it's just like who is he going to throw the ball to? I mean they got that one good tight end, but still, everyone. I mean who who scared teams on the perimeter as far as the wide receiver position went in Jacksonville. You have, and in Denver too, you, you, there's far better talent wide receivers, far better talent on the mm-hmm. I just, I just think that what Kirk Cousins needs is a set, is a damn good running game, and that's what Jacksonville can give him with Leonard Fournette. And can you imagine a guy like Kirk Cousins play actually off of Leonard Fournette? Oh. That that just spells trouble. 
that spells trouble for the AFC South at least. And they y'all, I mean, they did well. Jacksonville did very well last year. And that's 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 due to a combination of the head coach, can't think of his name right now, and Tom Coughlin in the front office doing this thing again as the architect, this time as the general manager, if you will. And and, and, and football ops guy. You remember because he built the team from scratch when they were an expansion team many years ago. And mm-hmm. he's back at it again, except he's not a coach. Obviously, he's not a coach anymore. But he knows what the hell he's doing. And I think he has his eyes zoomed in on a surprise that not many people expected to happen. Kirk Cousins finally appears to be finally out of Washington. I'm telling you, if Tom Coughlin he needs to be quicker than, than, than John Edward is about it in Denver. But I think yeah. that Jacksonville offers the best best personnel offense to get to 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 put cousins to win and win quickly. And I think with the combination of that and the defense, I mean look, Denver's defense ain't nothing to for as well. Jacksonville's not. Jacksonville is gonna be around for a long time. They're not going anywhere. They they yeah. made the, they made their presence known in the playoffs this past season, and even the, the AFC is no longer two horse race anymore between New England and Pittsburgh. It has a third horse in Jacksonville now. So if Jacksonville if they if if Tom Coughlin wants to break Tom Brady's heart again before Brady hangs it up, he's, he'll get a quarterback like Kirk Cousins to get him there because Kirk Cousins is more talented than Bortles, and I know uh-huh. that he doesn't do the long ball as well. They won't make the same mistakes, at least with better person, offensive personnel. So he won't, you know. And, and, and to your point, if 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 anyone wants to see Kirk Cousins play pressure free, especially while playing with a team that has a running game, get Washington versus L.A. the Rams earlier this mm-hmm. season when Washington yeah. went out west and they rushed for well over 200 yards. He played so pressure-free in that game, he looked at complete ease. Imagine if he had a consistent running game like that. You add a, a, a dangerous threat like a Leonard Fournette in that situation on a weekly basis, that's how Cook will play for an entire season, pressure-free, make no mistakes. He won't have to rush, which is one of the things – people looked at as a detriment to him while he was here in Washington because, of course, mm-hmm. he didn't have the talent and thought he needed to play that way. But now with the pressure off, if he has the running run game behind him, Kirk would be very dangerous. But my final point to the Kirk Cousins situation and the thing that angers me the most out of this whole thing outside of the fan base and the way that they're reacting or they, the way that they have been reacting but that's okay. They'll get their just desserts because I won't be responding to them for the entire football season. Angers me the most is the fact that no one has been in contact with one another in terms of the Kirk Cousins camp and the Redskins front office with one another since November, Scott. No one has talked to either one of and on either side wow. since November of, of last year. So wow. it was already known that either Washington was going to sever ties or that Kirk Cousins' cat was going to sever ties. Everyone is automatically blaming this 
on Kurt and saying that he knew he wasn't going to resign. And I get it. He wants to test the market. That doesn't mean that he wasn't willing to resign. But for no one to talk since November, since the Thanksgiving game, it's insane for a situation where you're trying to resign this QB, which leads me to believe that somebody, I don't know who, is needs to be responsible or the bigger side on this. Since November, it, it was it was a done deal. They, uh, they didn't one side didn't think that the other was going to acquiesce to their wants. And so, excuse me. So if that was the case, I understood saying why Washington did what they did, but I'm not happy about mm-hmm. it. I, I'm not completely happy well, about it. So, well, you're not the only one. Like 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 my brother-in-law, yeah. I have yet to get a response from him. He's a lifelong Washington fan as well. <laughs> I can only imagine. He's, when he's just quiet, that means he's pretty upset. <laughs> so, to make it uh, worse, Scott, I, yeah. I saw the announcement after Washington, Sans John Wall, who needed knee surgery, beat Oklahoma City last night. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to roll my joy with this trade talks. And then to make it even worse, Today is the 30th anniversary of my favorite Super Bowl win, which is the Doug Williams win over the Denver yes. Broncos. And, 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 and you go from that joy with the QB spot here in Washington to hear about, I guess, this pain. Uh, it's, it's, uh, this day is almost ruined, man. It's almost ruined. But oh, you, you, you'll never be able to ruin a touch of class. Go, man. That's done. <laughs> Where to go, Danny boy? Um, wow. yeah, let's go from one crazy trade to another. NBA. Blake Griffin wow. has been given $120 plus million. Dollars. Said that he was going to be told that he was going to be the face of the franchise of the LA Clippers. Got his ass traded to the Detroit Pistons. Which that was like when I first saw that. That that made my jaw drop. As shocked as I was by Alex Murphy and saying that 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 Blake Griffin trade. I, I didn't know what to think. I, it's, I, I have to write a blog post about it because I'm still in shock over it. So basically, As am I. Um, yeah, so basically, I'm asking this question. If you're mm-hmm. Detroit, why the hell do you make this move? You make you pretty much taking on the salary of, of a guy, like a $120 million salary from a guy who never stays healthy, who's a chronic underachiever. You know what I'm saying? Because Blake Griffin has superstar, he's not a superstar. He's not a mm-hmm. real rounded superstar. He's just a star to me. Yeah. Because he he's, he's coming short in the postseason. He underachieved with Chris Paul and and and, and uh, your boy DeAndre Jordan in L.A. when they when when the talent was there for them to get to at least the conference finals. So basically. You know the Clippers, even though they're like an HD right now, I think in the West, they're doing, they're they're in the midst of a fire sale, which I did not see coming. And I'm guessing that DeAndre Jordan will be shipped somewhere soon, possibly the Cleveland Cavaliers in the in the mm. week. Um, but I'm just saying, I, why I, I I have an idea of why Detroit's doing this, but why the hell would they take on a salary like Blake? I mean, I know the star power is there. I, like I know that he'll be he'll be a drawing power he'll be drawing power to the to the fans because they can't sell the arena the downtown arena for some reason. But why this guy? If you're Detroit, why this guy? 
why is a fantastic question. I don't have an answer on why. I mean, you're right about his star status. Now, you have to uh, uh, correct my file on this. Was Avery Bradley a part of that deal? He was. He was. He okay. Was. So he, now, if, he's if my memory says. What's that? Actually, he's reunited with Doc Rivers. There you go. Now, yes. if, if my memory serves me correct, I heard that Detroit was, was not too happy with Avery Bradley. And mm. if you go ahead and reunite him with, with a guy that likes him, and, and also they have a disgruntled talent in, in, in Blake Griffin that just can't stay healthy, why yes. not? If, 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 if you're a Doc and if you're Detroit. So, well, I'm thinking it was more about Avery than it was about Blake in this particular situation. I could be wrong, um, and, and chances are that I might be. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I really don't get it. But the, the thing is, if if Detroit can go ahead and attract more talent or trade for more talent, yeah. you know, uh, to play with Blake and, and, and probably have a, a, another young talent at the power forward spot, to come off the bench and give him some rotation so he doesn't put as much time on his knees as 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 um, he has in the past. It's a possibility that the 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 the, 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 uh, the Pistons can compete again in the East. I mean, you already know how thin the East is. You, you got Philadelphia right. who trusts the process, and we see where they are right now. So it's a, it's a strong possibility with a couple of pieces being added, they can compete for those slots between five and eight over the next couple of years. But the question is, will they? Because we already know that Detroit is not a destination spot for free agency. Right. So they're going to have to right. do something in order to help that organization out as of right now to make this team a little bit more competitive. You're right. They're currently in the eighth spot, and that's because they have a lot of help going on with those teams that are in five, six, and seven, like the Heat. Like Washington, and I think it's is it who's um in Milwaukee. I'm looking but, at that um, right now. Yeah, yeah. Milwaukee is the seventh seed, and Philadelphia is the eighth seed, and Detroit is uh, like a game and a half out of the eighth seed right now. There you go. So you know they, they can battle for that spot, um, but they they they're going to need a couple more pieces in order for that to become realistic or hope that a team like Washington that's going to be without John Wall for the next two months because of his, his knee surgery falters and they sneak in. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I just, like, one of my boys who's a, who's, a, who's a Detroit native, when I asked him over Facebook his thoughts, he was like, quote, my thoughts are not Facebook appropriate. <laughs> 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 so you can tell how I feel about Blake Griffin coming. Look, I mean, he mentioned also that, and this is something to, be, to think about, is it may not even work if they don't trade, they being the Pistons, do not trade Reggie Jackson and or Drummond. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know how he's going to fit. I don't know how Blake's going to fit with Drummond. They both have the same skill set, okay? Yeah. They both. I mean, Drummond is more of a rim protector, but he's not really a rim protector. I mean, defensively, and, and you know, and 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 while while Blake is not a necessary matador on defense, he's not like a stalwart either. So he had that issue. So mm-hmm. your point, 
they got a they got a guy like Doug Griffin time, you gotta build around him. And I, I and I think that I think Detroit sent a draft pick or two to acquire mm. the rights of Blake Griffin services. So yeah. So basically they're without a draft pick this this coming draft, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But needless to say, Detroit can't be done. They they can't be done. They have to make no. moves. Otherwise otherwise it's not gonna be a good fit. And you're gonna have an overpriced dude who gets hurt as a as potential drawing power and the honeymoon won't last for so long in Detroit because, you know, that's a that you know, those are proud that's a proud fan base. And yeah. I just don't think that 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 pick that 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 trade will do justice. So, so basically, well, as far as the Clippers go, I mean, again, they, the Clippers are going to be known for and forevermore for having that nice little run, like earlier this this decade, of like, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, some some of bliss, something that has to do with bliss. I don't, I don't really know, but when they were the best team in L.A., those years with Chris Paul, when he should have been with the Lakers, by the way, that's 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 another yeah, that's a whole other conversation, right yeah. But but needless to say, but 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 be it as it may, um, you know, they had the the Clippers had a nice little era where it was mm-hmm. Lob City. Which is probably going to be a future thirty for thirty, and like maybe who who knows how how much longer after after it's all said and done. But at any rate, they'll be known forever. The Clippers as the perennial underachievers when it comes to the playoffs. They never reached the conference finals. They were up three mm-hmm. one on Houston, and they found a way to choke that away. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's. It's it's going to be sad for the few Clippers fans who give a damn, and it's not going to make Doc Rivers all look all that good in terms of his coaching. In terms of his coaching uh, uh, legacy that he had in Boston, and we were supposed to the cash was supposed to bring out to the Clippers, but mm-hmm. it's it's just it's just it's just a trip. Now they were probably going to trade DeAndre Jordan and whoever the hell else, maybe Lou Williams as well, and they're they're an expansion team. <laughs> They they'll be worse than the Lakers going forward again. Yeah. So it's uh, it's the basketball guys we pay in them. Like like you said, you know they weren't supposed to get uh, uh, Chris Paul. The Lakers were, you know. Right. They weren't supposed to get DeAndre and and resigning him. The Mavericks were. So that's the basketball guys coming back to take what's rightfully theirs. You know, you're not going to go ahead and be as bad as you're supposed to be? Well, fine. We'll make you that bad with the talent that you have, that you that you brought in. So far, so be it. They're going to get you. So it's it's like the spirits on, on, on the movie Ghost. You know, we're going to come back and take what's ours. So fine. We're going we're gonna to get it, though. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Um yeah, so that's that's gonna be interesting to keep it off for the rest of the season. Um before we get to the Super Bowl little preview here, you know this thing at Michigan State, man, this is totally totally oh. shipping a whole new gear. a uh, whole nother gear. I'm not gonna reiterate 
what happened to those little girls, those young ladies at the hands of Larry Nassar at Michigan State, you know, had his own clinic there, trained all those uh, those those female gymnasts. I mean, I couldn't even imagine not only those being being the shoes of those victims as they came forward, especially like Ali Raisman um, mm-hmm. doing the doing the citizen hearing. That 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 was just hard to that was hard to watch. That was very hard to watch and hard to see those the look of those young ladies' faces. So the break it down and the bravery, by the way, and the bravery to relive yeah. those moments, those heinous moments spent with that pervert. Uh, my, I mean, it's not only with them, but with their parents. Mm-hmm. Sending them kids, their kids, thinking that, you know, look, the whole thing with child molestation, sexual assault victims is not like the creepy guy in the trench coat that you see coming. It's the pillars of the community. It's the people yeah. with power, with influence. That's what makes this, that's what makes pedophilia and sexual assault so damn dangerous. And hard to stop because who's going to go against? And I hate to say this, but who's going to go against powerful people like that? I mean, we mm-hmm. saw what's, what was happening with the Me Too movement. Thank God for the Me Too movement and Time's Up movement. You know, it started yeah. with. It's funny how it starts with one dude and the dom- one domino, and then the other dominoes come fly, come crashing down with that Weinstein cat in Hollywood. How many women's careers were ruined because of that guy and his sexual deviancy. I mean, I don't know if you caught, um, yeah, I, I want to say Huffington Post or somewhere where the lovely, very lovely Salma Hayek wrote a, wrote a letter to uh, about Weinstein, what she what he did to her, which was very mm. very heartbreaking. Uh, you, you 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 should Google that. It's it's very very moving. Uh, okay. But he's he's done it to other budding other not only budding actresses but established actresses did it too. But what I'm yeah. trying to say is is that powerful dudes <clears throat> are like they it's 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 all about the the power with them and they holds over victims and it's sad and it's messed up. And it's even more messed up that going scrapulate more on the sports side, you got guys who I respect a love for Many many years, and Mark D'Antonio, former coach of University of Cincinnati's football team, you got them on the map mm-hmm. on his way to Michigan State, as well as um, Tom Izzo, who I have a whole lot of respect for. Yeah, to see those two, the, all of those happening under those guys' watch, all their—I don't want to say all, but but the, the, the amount of, of of football and basketball players being charged out of charge or indicted, or accused of sexual assault under their watch, and you can't, and you can't, and miss me with the they didn't know. They're college coaches. The reason why being a college coach is so damn appealing because they control everything. They know yeah. everything. If you ask Nick Saban who went to class, who didn't go to class on this team, he would, I guarantee you, he would know. If you ask Roy Williams, uh, and, you know, bad, bad example, but still, if you ask Roy Williams about something <laughs> player, especially Coach K, well, 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 let's go to that example. Coach K, you think Coach K doesn't know what's going on with his players? Shoot. Look, that's why I do not buy what a college coach says he didn't know. 
you had to know. And if you didn't know, he should have known. Yeah. That's what college coaches do. So miss me of all that. But but please give, give me a thought. Do you think this is the end of Tom Izzo and Dad Mark D'Antonio? Do you think that Dad man walking as a result of this? Um, you know what? I will have to admit I don't know the full details in terms sure. of uh, what's going on with them. But yeah. if it's a lot like you say it is, it can be problematic. I just don't mm-hmm. know if it's necessarily the end for them. Um, right. We'll, we'll see, but it, it, it is pretty damning. And, and to make matters worse, man, the, the way that others have had their situations completely uh, uh, ended because of allegations like this. But that yeah. is more so direct contact, you know. So right. this is just them right. just not being responsible, so they say, and, and, and not knowing about what's going on with their athletes. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll... it'll it, God, I know suspicions that will be coming. I, I know that yeah. for a fact. Some, somebody they will be suspended, but um, I don't. I don't know if I would say that it's the end of their career just yet. Well, if they if something's going to be done to them, it should be done to Mark Emmett first out of the NCAA mm-hmm. because it came reports came out that he knew about it as far as six about six seven years ago. About wow. the allegations about NASA and about what's going on at Michigan State, he knew that. Wow! And this is the same fool who came at the Penn State and almost it came this close. He really came yeah. this close to giving them the death penalty. He really came mm-hmm. this close to doing it to nuke and dropping the nuclear bomb of Penn State's football program because of that Sandusky clown who was molesting mm-hmm. those those young boys. But <laughs> which is the ultimate irony of it. Now and he and he and and that and that those and actually those reports might look, appear to be very true. So it looks like he's going to be out before mm-hmm. anything's done to D'Antonio and Izzo, if anything. So it's just it's just a whole it's just really messed up, really oh. really really messed up. It's it's really is. So I mean, it, it, I hate to say this, it makes me glad I don't have daughters. Because I mean I don't have to worry about having that those uncomfortable conversations about these, these sort of things, these sorts of things. I mean it's hard enough having to raise a black boy. You have to talk yeah. about those conversations that my our fathers told our mothers told us when we were growing up, when we were old enough to understand. But still, I mean having I mean I, I just again my heart goes out to those parents the victims themselves, I mean, as young as two or three years old. Oh, my God. It, yeah. It, 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 just, it just makes me sad thinking about it and talking about it. So I just, I, 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 I just want to mention that and just, just, just want to tell those parents again that, they, you know, that you are in my heart and I'm thinking about y'all and I'm praying for, you for, for, like, like for peace. And I hate to see that done to anybody, especially to, to, to any child, to any Exactly. To, to any innocent but, children. God, I was going to say, no, this is stuff that you need to talk to your son about as well. I mean, Jay uh, Sandusky yeah. should be the example right. that, that, you know, it happens to boys as well. Um, so there's something that, that young boys need to be prepared for. 
as well. So, you know, that was something I remember having a conversation with my son about, um, uh, uh, too. But, yeah, prepare all, both children. Don't, don't just think that um, it doesn't happen to boys. It, it's, it happens to boys in lower numbers. But just also right. be prepared, man, because it, it, it not only doesn't oh, happen sure. from from the, 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 the coaches' staff and, and, and coaches, the other players and teammates. Because, God, I forgot what's the situation, man, where um, I think it was a D3 school where those dudes mm-hmm. wake the freshmen and then hazed them yeah. as well and, and left them out. Of the, it was insane, man. So, so yeah, just, just the, everybody needs to be prepared, man, because it's – there's a lot of interesting people out there. Yeah, and that's why parents, and that's why my wife and I are going to take you know, taking this approach. If your child is involved in sports, youth sports, and they have to go on trips or have to go see specialists, make sure you ask mm-hmm. them in the room. Make yeah. sure some someone you least. I mean, don't even. I mean, hell, even as a friend, even even as a friend, as a chaperone, bring your ass along. Take your ass along with them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's it. That's not going to happen on our watch. Uh, we'll get you out here on this now on a more pleasant note. Super Bowl 52, which I've called derisively New England's coronation. I don't, I don't see <laughs> anyone in hell that Philly's going to stay within 10 points of, 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 of New England. I understand that, that Philly has a great defense, talented defense, mm-hmm. but they also have Nick Foles as quarterback. I don't think that 38 points in Minnesota is going to translate. It's going to it's translate to anywhere remotely close to a to a to a competitive game in the Super Bowl. I I, I think with Bill Belichick giving two weeks to prepare for Nick Foles to cry out loud, he's going to shut down the game. <laughs> we all know what's going to happen. It's going to be. It's, they're going to tease us in the first, in the first quarter. We're going to be. Uh oh. Uh oh. But it's they're going to they're going to they're going to slowly take the life out of us. They being the Patriots, they're going to slowly take the life out of the fans who want to see the New England lose so freaking bad. They're going mm-hmm. to start. Okay, this is how it's going to go. First quarter is going to be competitive. Maybe Philadelphia scores first. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be competitive. Hope's going to get high. People are going to be slow. The cynical ones are going to be slow to react. Then it's going to then the second bill, the second quarter is going to reach a crescendo that Philly may may just may start to shock the world. But then the two the, the last few minutes of the first quarter, the second quarter, the two then the two minute drill when Tom Brady goes starts to go to work, picking apart the uh, picking apart the Eagles' awesome defense with precision. Then halftime comes the the. the Whatever duty or whatever crap happens in still the Super Bowl halftime show happens, <laughs> then you come out the locker room and it's a wrap. I mean, like uh, Bill Belichick and company will be like, you know what? Let's just put this to bed so people can go to bed and go to work tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> 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 Let's stop playing around with these Eagles. It's going to be an ass whoop. That's what I'm trying to say. It's going to be an ass whooping. I look if if, they, if 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 New England if if I'd be shocked, you know. But it's going to be a blowout. I was going to say a premature congratulations to Tom Brady winning the sixth Super Bowl in advance, and 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 and, and becoming and submit and is making the fish that he is the goat. 
as far as quarterbacks in all time, of all time, and Bill Belichick on winning his sixth Super Bowl, and and just that, and just acknowledging the, the the New England dynasty that we've seen that spanned over over almost two decades, and again eight Super Bowls in seventeen years. Mm-hmm. Just crown him. Just crown him. I'm crowning him. Congratulations, New England Patriots, for winning Super Bowl Fifty Two in advance. Because I don't see any way in hell the Eagles going to even come within ten points of those boys come Sunday. Wow, we 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 see it differently, but we see it with the same outcome. I believe Philly keeps it close. I believe Philly takes yeah. the lead. I'm like you. I I believe Philly scores first. Um, and I got a strange feeling, man, that that Philadelphia go they go ahead and um and they take the lead. But that uh, New England, of course, comes from behind and wins this. Now you know the uh, the line is is four and a half. You know, yeah. and, and New Staying England has close. yet to yeah. So you know, and New England has yet to beat anyone with the exception of, with the exception of Atlanta last year by more than, than, than four points in the Super Bowl. But that was only because mm-hmm. that game went into overtime. So if they right. could have kicked the field goal to win it, they probably would have. Um, so I think that this game is going to be close as well, but there are just a couple of things that um, a couple of, of of things that are misnomers and a couple of things real quick. I think you should go ahead and keep your eye out for. Now people always say that if you keep the ball away from Tom Brady, that you should be okay because he doesn't have a lot of time to um to to, to work with. Actually, mm-hmm. hmm. The Patriots rank 30th in terms of uh, a length of drives, uh, you know, per drive in terms of time, and also the amount of yardage given up per drive. So the, the, the Patriots give up a lot of yardage and also total yards allowed. I think they're like 28th or 29th in the league this year, that defense is. So they know how mm-hmm. to bend, but they don't break. They don't give up a lot of points within the red zone and they don't right. give up a lot of total points. So they'll give you the yards, they'll give you the time of possession, but Tom Brady will find a way within that short amount of time given back to him uh, to, to, to get some work done that they're going to need to do in order to win the game. So throw that misnomer off the wall. You hear anybody say that, you slap them because they've all already <laughs> off power. Just keep the ball going with Tom Brady. No, dummy. Snap. So, yeah. Don't even believe in that. So, you know, we, we have seen proof that if you put pressure on Tom Brady, that um, uh-huh. you, you would be in the game. We saw it with that last loss that they had against um, Miami this year. We saw yeah. it in the two Super Bowl losses with the Giants. And we know that this front seven of Philadelphia can put pressure on QBs. So keep an eye out for that. Also, when it comes to turnovers, Tom Brady has only had eight interceptions. This actually correlates along with the comment I said about putting pressure on him. If you can put pressure on him and create turnovers and have it so that Philadelphia does what Philadelphia does well, which is score points off of turnovers, this is the same Eagles team mm-hmm. that has five fumble recoveries that, that led to touchdowns, which actually leads the league tied with Jacksonville, that could be dangerous. Because we already saw that they threw that uh, Minnesota threw a pick six against them in the conference title game. Not saying that Brady throws a pick six, 
But if he does, uh oh. Another thing, right? The number I'm I'm a throw out here. The number is one twenty. The reason why I say that is because the Patriots are ten and zero. Whenever they keep teams under a hundred and twenty yards rushing, if Philadelphia can run the ball, I think they run the ball somewhere between one twenty-five and one thirty. And this Eagles team are eleven and zero whenever they run the ball for over a hundred and seven yards. And that's also including the championship game against Minnesota. So 120 is the mark. If if they start getting mm-hmm. close to that 120 mark for Philadelphia, uh-oh. Last but not least, the amount of points per game. Uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, here it is. Uh, okay. when, when the Patriots give up 25 points or more, this season, they're one and three. When they give up less than twenty-five, fourteen and zero. Oh. So that means Philadelphia, yeah. like I said, they can have these four guys all they want. And I know this is going to sound very generic and very, you know, not generic, but this is going to sound, you know, like a dull moment. But Philadelphia, you're going to have to score points. That means if they allow you to get in the red zone, you're going to have to you're going to have to score. You're going to have to score six, not three, but six, which is going to be hard to do because this team does not allow that to happen much. And also, you're going to have to keep (laughs) exactly. And you're also going to have to keep uh, 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 New England out of out of the end zone when they're in the red zone as well, because eighty percent of their their touchdowns this year have come within 20 yards or less. So once they get in that red zone, danger. They, they're putting up six. So every four out of five times if they're in the red zone, they score six. So you're going to have to keep them out of the end zone, and you're going to have to get into the end zone whenever you're in the red zone. So with all that said, my score for the Super Bowl, write it down. Because uh-huh. okay. I'm going to go ahead and sell about 75% in terms of Super Bowl picks and scores. Philadelphia, 24. New England, 27. Hmm. Well, hell, I'm New England, 27, Philadelphia, 17. They don't have a shot. Ooh. <laughs> they don't have a shot. Uh, I'm saying they don't have a shot in hell. Hey, shock me. Surprise me, tease me a little bit, but I don't see it. I don't see it, man. I, look, I, I I hate to see it. I hate to see the coronation, but we're going to watch another coronation of the Patriots win the Super Bowl. So that's pretty much that, man. But anyway, hey man, thanks a lot for joining me, man. Let's just hope no, that really stocks the world, but they ain't gonna they ain't gonna do it. But uh, whatever it is, what it is. So so, so take care. Bro. <laughs> You do the same. Uh, and good luck to Jackson right. State's uh, Robert Brazil and to uh, Grambling State alum Everson Ross. Hopefully the both of them get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame when they make the yes. announcement of the yes. inductees this weekend. All right. Good luck to those brothers as well. And thanks a lot for that. That's the way Nash. Please check them out on Sleazy Radio every Tuesday night here on Blanton Radio as well as 
the RSS HBCU Sports, where he wraps up about all things HBCU Sports. This is Scott Burks. Thank you all for listening to the Clown 06. Peace out. Good night.